0: Connecting life and faith. This is Connections.
1: At least one in three adolescent students in Canada have reported being bullied recently. 47% of Canadian parents report having a child that is a victim of bullying.
0: Today's guest will tell us about the effects of bullying on children and society.
1: She'll also help us with what to do when our kids are victims of bullying, but also how to make sure our own kids don't become bullies. Dr. Wendy Craig is with an organization called PrevNet. Dr. Craig, what is PrevNet and what do you do? PrepNet is an
2: organization that brings researchers together with um, national organizations like the Canadian Teachers Federation, Red Cross, and we bring research to practice and practice to research. So we provide, for example, um, evidence-based information about bullying that teachers can use in the classrooms.
1: Why was it so important to create a network like this? Um, we
2: created the network for a variety of reasons. Um, the first reason that we really did it was because we realized that bullying was a significant problem in Canada, that we weren't doing very well in terms of the world stage when we first started, so we were in the bottom third. In other words, we had some of the highest prevalence, prevalences of, of bullying and victimization in our country among 36 different countries, um, and we felt that we really needed to have more of a, con- a, uh, a we had to have more of a systemic approach to dealing with it. So we wanted to get into the hands of those who work with children and youth everywhere where they live, learn, worked, and played the evidence about what works to prevent it or how do you best identify it. Um, and so we brought together researchers and these organizations to do exactly that. And when we started... We had four organizations, and today we have 62 organizations that represent government, industry, and um, charity.
0: When I was growing up, uh, bullying was pretty prevalent in in my school, and there seemed to be an attitude of if you did actually speak up about it, it was kind of like, well, suck it up. That's life. It's going to happen, right?
2: And absolutely. That's one of the, the students' number one fear is if I talk about it, it's going to get worse, or if I tell um, – adults about it, they're not going to do anything about it. And, you know, this is where exactly why we wanted to get research into the hands of the practitioners and into the hands of of children and youth, because the research very clearly shows that if you tell an adult about it, the chances that the bullying will happen, be happening a year from then are significantly decreased.
0: Really? See, I lived in fear as a kid. If I tell anybody it's only going to get worse and keep on going forever.
2: <laughs> exactly, and that's a myth, and so that's huh. why we have to get out there and get the message out and get kids talking about the problem and, get, and really train adults to be ready to hear children and youth when they talk about the problem.
1: And how do we get people to change their minds and their mentality towards this? Um, I think we have seen huge changes.
2: Like when we first started this work, nobody really cared about bullying or they thought, you know, then more myths where it was just a part of, of of kids growing up. And today people realize that there are long-term significant effects associated with bullying and victimization. And so understanding that motivates people to do something about it. Nobody wants to see kids in distress, and nobody wants to see kids suffering because of these problems. And recognizing that common goal is motivating and engages people because everybody has the same outcome. We all want kids to develop in the healthiest, happiest, best ways possible.
0: What What are some of those long term effects that bullying could have on a victim?
2: So, for students who are bullied regularly and frequently, um, um, they're at increased risk for anxiety and for depression. Um, they're more likely to use um, the health system. They have physical complaints. Um, They tend not to have academic success, or even in the long term, people have followed them out to age 50 and found that they have less job satisfaction and economically just aren't doing as well as those who haven't experienced Mm. victimization. The same thing is true for kids who bully. Those kids who bully... Uh, early on and regularly and frequently are at risk for engaging in a whole variety of behaviors that combine that use of power and aggression. So they're more likely to engage in date violence in their very first romantic relationship. Wow. They're more likely to engage in sexual harassment. They're at a higher risk for joining gangs. They're at a higher risk for engaging in workplace violence and workplace aggression. So they really... Uh, have the and they also have mental health concerns. Like they also are at risk for things like um, depression and criminality. So for both individuals involved, there are substantial sort of physical costs, mental health costs, as well as societal costs in the form of so in the form of justice.
1: So really, bullying is not a joke. We all think of it as, hey, whatever, that just happens. It's bullying is bullying is bullying. But really, this uh, is serious.
2: It's a serious problem, and and it has long-term effects. And it's really important uh, that we address it early. And in fact, now there's lots of research coming out, including some work that we've done, that show it actually affects the brain and how we think and perceive the world. That when you look at the brain functioning of kids who have been highly victimized, it looks a lot like those who have ex- who have post traumatic stress syndrome. So uh-huh. this is real.
1: So kids are back in school now and for some that means that bullying has started up again or and for some who are new in school it's going to be their first time experiencing bullying. What are some signs that we ca- we as parents can watch for t- and notice that our kids are potentially being bullied?
2: I think there are a couple signs that parents can watch for. Um one sign is that Children who are victimized tend to have reluctance to go to school. They don't want to be there in the first place. They tend to miss a lot of days of school. They make excuses. They may have stomachs or aches or headaches. Um, so, watching for the kind of patterns of school attendance is really important. Over the course of the month, um, seeing how they're engaging socially, are they bringing social, are they bringing friends home? Are they talking about spending time with with other children at, at recess or connecting? Um, And the most important thing I want to say to parents is if you're worried that your child's being victimized at school, talk to the teacher. Share those worries. Get information. You know, you, you need to create the partnership because you both have the same goal that you want your child to be successful and happy at school.
1: So here's something interesting. My daughter started kindergarten two weeks ago, so her first time in full day schools, and a lot of those things that you've talked about have come up. And she experienced bullying already at the age of three. I witnessed it. It blows my mind that bullying now is starting as young as that three and four years old.
2: Absolutely, you know that this is not new. Bullying is a is a it can start early. We found that there's lots of research showing that it's starting in preschool, and it's really about when you think about it. Um, For children in in preschool, they're learning those social skills. They're learning Mm -hmm. how to share, how to cooperate, how to be kind. And so they're testing out those different types of behaviors. And sometimes they find, hey, being aggressive is highly successful. I got that toy that I wanted. And so it's really up to adults to monitor and support young children in their social interactions to make sure that they're learning to engage in pro-social strategies and getting reinforced and being successful in using those types of strategies.
1: So how can we prevent our children then from becoming a bully? I think, you know, the most important thing that we can do
2: is is focus on relationships. And, you know, I think all of us as adults have a really critical role, whether we're a parent, whether we're a teacher, whether we're a grandparent, or whether we're an adult involved in children's lives. That we're role models. How we deal with stress, how we interact with others, how we treat others, really sets the standard. Children live by learn and learn by watching others. And so we, as adults, have have to set the high bar of how we behave. The second thing that we have to do is we have to recognize that, you know, bullying. We could talk about it as a relationship problem. Learning how to behave in relationships is incredibly challenging, and so we have to support children regularly and frequently in, in in how to engage in relationships. So when they're being positive, when they're being kind, when they're showing respect, we have to acknowledge that and say that was a really great way, great that you shared that toy. That was a really nice thing that you said to someone. That was a kind behavior. The more we positively reinforce, the more we model it, um, the more likely our children are to take up those strategies. The other thing that we have to do is we also have to really be open to hearing about children's concerns. Spend time with your child every day. Create that opportunity to have that quality one-on-one if you can with each child, five minutes, ten minutes, whether it's in a car, whether it's walking to school, whether it's um, a quiet time before bed, but spend that time to create that relationship where children feel like you care and that they matter because if they feel that, then they'll start to share those things that are going on in their lives that are hard for them.
1: So opening up a line of communication is huge.
2: Absolutely.
1: And it's never, I'm assuming it's never too young to start that. It's never
2: too young to start that. And it's also, you know, the thing that I like to remind parents is we work really hard to teach our kids how to walk or focus on walking or how to talk. Or we work really hard to teach our children how to read. We need to work just as hard to help them learn to be kind and to treat others with respect and integrity and to have that pro-social and positive kinds of behavior. So we need to focus, communicate, role model, and reinforce.
0: What if um, our kids aren't a victim of bullying and they aren't a bully, but what if they're witnesses to bullying? How can we teach our kids what what to do in those situations?
2: Great question. You know, in, in our research, we find about 90% of kids report that they see bullying happening and very few uh, youth report intervening. And so one of the things that we I think a lot about is, you know, how can we support kids in being more active in intervening? And so the first thing that uh, we need kids to understand is only intervene if it's safe. Don't intervene mm-hmm. if it's not safe, if there's a, a, a potential of risk for being physically harmed. The second thing is intervene in a way that, that re- represents your strength. There are things that you're comfortable with. So. Maybe you're a child who feels like you can be assertive and you can say, hey, stop that. That's not okay. Maybe you're a child who can just, you know, connect well with others and can turn to the child who's been victimized and say, hey, do you want to go and do something? Maybe you're a child who can't stand up in that moment but later can come and say something comforting and say, you know, I'm sorry that happened to you. That must have been hard. Do you want to go with me and we can talk to an adult about it? What you need to do is encourage people to stand up for others, encourage students to... Uh, take risks only when it's safe, and encourage them to to intervene and support the child who's been victimized in a way that reflects their strengths and in a way that they feel comfortable doing.
0: How can we help our kids make safer classrooms in general than in more like bully-free zones? Is there ever going to be something like a bully-free zone, or will it always exist, I guess?
2: I think when when, when children gather, there will always be some people who are trying to get on top, and they might try to get on top and dominate that that group by by being aggressive. But what we can do is we can help children set the standards or social norms about what behavior is acceptable and what's not acceptable. So, you know, as adults, I come back to adults in classrooms because that's really they lead the classroom by the um, and and they have a huge uh, ability to set the standards. So, I think every classroom should set some rules about what, what what kind of classroom do we want to have. You know, we want to and 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 explicitly identify that we want to have a classroom that's inclusive and includes everybody. We want to have a classroom where we treat other children with respect and kindness. And we want to have a classroom where we actively can we actively say that we don't accept aggressive behaviors. So I think that setting those rules and checking in with those rules with the students and then also as, as educators in classrooms, thinking about creative ways and, and reflecting on our own behavior. So do I engage in teaching practices that might inadvertently create a condition for bullying? So my my example of that always is, you know, avoid letting children pick who they want to partner with because inevitably uh, somebody gets excluded. Yeah. So we have to be reflective on our own practices, you know. You know, do it in a random way. Anybody who's wearing red has to be on the red team.
0: Yeah, I got a gym class picking teams, my least favorite part of the week, every week.
2: (laughs) Because it's exactly when you set it up. It's a setup for people who could bully others. And so you want to make sure you don't do that kind of behavior.
1: And so bullying nowadays has changed a lot, even from back when I was a kid. It doesn't end in the classroom now. It's going home with these kids, how... How do we handle that? And how do we deal with that? A lot of us parents don't know how to deal with that because we never went through that.
2: So, yeah, I I think uh, what's really important is to understand that bullying happens online and offline. Uh, So, you know, the most frequent place still that that bullying happens is at school. Um, But we know that youth who are bullied at school are also at risk for being bullied online. Um, And So that's a challenge because, again, it's all about adults. Adults need to step up. And unfortunately, there's no app to tell adults how to step up. (laughs) But the most important thing that they can do is educate their child and support their child being online. You know, know, cyberbullying, about 15% of boys and girls report that it happens regularly and frequently to them. And so what do we need to do to prevent it? Well, we need to think about it. It's the same thing about how we teach kids how to read. We don't just give them a book and say, do it. So we shouldn't be just letting children and youth go online and say, do it. We need to be providing them feedback about what's appropriate and what's okay, where is it okay to go online, and what are the kinds of things that you should see and do online, and setting, and monitoring their behavior about how much time we spend online. So the bottom line is, just as we teach our children, um, you know, to say please and thank you and face-to-face, we have to work and, and and teach them how to be pro-social online and offline.
1: So really, most people look at it and go, well, this kid is a problem child, but it goes back to the parent when all is said and done. I think it's
2: one thing. Um, you know, we, we there's not one way that you become someone who bullies other kids. There are many different pathways that lead kids to engage in bullying behavior. And so, Yes, sometimes it's about that within the family that behavior might be role-modeled and they might see aggressive uh, kinds of behaviors at home where there might be other stresses at home. But other times it's just about maybe the child at school meets uh, other kids who are similarly aggressive and that behavior gets reinforced in, in, in the peer group. So there's not one factor that gets you there. There are many, and that's why... All children and youth need adults in their lives to stand up, whether it's their parent, their grandparent, their teachers, or other adults.
1: It seems nowadays, just another thing that I've noticed, is that bullying seems a little bit harsher. They're not, it's not your typical, hey, I don't like what you're wearing. It's it's going beyond that.
2: Yeah, um, what we know about kids who bully is the rates... Of, of being victimized have been relatively constant over the last 10 years. But what's maybe changed over time and, and might give that perception that it, it's, it's harsher or more crueler is that it's the content of bullying. So we know that the number one things that, that children bully other children about is usually about their appearance or um, some people call it fat shaming or appearance shaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are really core and critical issues to children and youth. Um, and so it has hugely potentially damaging effects.
1: For parents that would like information or resources uh, and that are dealing with bullying, where can they go and how could they look for that? I think there are some really
2: great resources in Canada. so uh, we have a website, uh, prevnet it's www.prevnetca that has resources for educators, teachers um, and children and youth. There are also some great websites and and workshops put on by TELUS, so they can go to the TELUS website. Primus has a a website for parents about how to address cyberbullying. So I recommend going to those websites because they're evidence-based, and we know that that the advice that's provided um, on those websites
0: works. Big thanks to Dr. Wendy Craig for joining us today. Definitely a conversation worth listening to again.
1: And definitely a conversation worth having with your child. We'll talk to you again on Connections.